today's show is sponsored by Manscaped. As I can't even grab the logo correctly, but Manscaped is the <laughs> number one. Yeah, here's a black shirt. Like, uh, <laughs> need to, look at this. Need to, look at this shirt that is totally related to what I'm talking about. I swear. <laughs> need to manscape my uh, my product placement there a little bit, maybe. Yeah. But tighten way, it up. Manscaped is the number one pubic hair trimmer in the world, and the trimmer does much more than that. The Lawnmower 3.0, you can use it on your beard. We have Henry, who's used it on his hair. You can use it on your chest hair, your legs, you name it. Wherever you need it, it will do the job. And their Perfect Package 3.0 comes not only with the trimmer, but a ton of other awesome stuff, including anti-chafe deodorant and some spray-on toner to keep you fresh, smelling good feeling nice whether it be below the belt or anywhere else that you might and need it as well you can get all of this for 20 percent off and free shipping when you go to manscaped.com and use the code dnvr20 father's day is now just right around the corner less than two weeks away it might be a great gift for him as well so check it out today at manscaped.com and give it a go and Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole. A left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast, presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits, with over a thousand different varieties of beer to try at either of their two locations in Centennial and Highlands Ranch. They have you covered for alcohol. I'm Rudo, he's AJ Hayfley, and we are here today with a bit more NHL news. First of all, the league seems to continue to confirm that Las Vegas is going to be one of the hub cities. Nothing official yet, but everybody everywhere is saying it's going to be Vegas. Uh, I believe AJ, you even tweeted about it saying uh, the people over at FSC, the as practice facility said so. So here's, here's kind of how this has uh, played out today. Um, Got info that uh, family sports center, which is where the abs practice um, and is why we call FSC. <laughs> yeah. Um, is that they have been in contact with some of the rec league teams to let them know about opening back up, summer schedules, um, ice availability, things like that. Um, because they have to share half of their rinks uh, with the ABS, and the ABS kind of get precedent, and they they the ABS are kind of allowed to do whatever the hell they want there. Pretty much. Um, so it's. <clears throat> it's it's a big thing if uh, the ads are back in town and they're practicing on a regular basis. Uh, but it, it the rec league teams are being told that that's not going to be a problem, that the ads will be down at Pepsi Center practicing, and then after that, they will be taking off to Vegas. So 
this is something we've we've talked about on this pod for a couple of months now that we continue to hear Vegas is like one of the one of those cities that yeah. that it was on the list. We have strongly suggested that it has been everywhere we turn, people are like, we're expecting to go to Vegas. This is just one more feather in that cap that we expect Vegas to be one of the hub cities. It's always made sense. The infrastructure is uniquely set up for it to be absolutely perfect in Vegas in a way that every other city will struggle with. Yep. Uh, but Vegas is just, it just happens to work out nicely for them. So it looks like it continues to look like uh, that. This is, this is where that's headed. Honestly, we're coming up on, um, I don't remember exactly what day it was that the NHL had their whole return to play YouTube video announcement thing that they did. At least like two weeks ago now, wasn't it? Right. It's been a couple of weeks and they said three to four weeks until we announce hub cities. We ought to be coming up on that time. So uh, hopefully we'll, we'll start to get some official confirmation here, but again, and just we continues are used to look like Vegas is one of them at this point. We are in phase two as well, where right as our back in town players are, are getting together now. Yeah. So, as the a lot of a lot of the abs players, I don't know if all of them, but I know a lot of the abs players are back in Denver. Pepsi Center Ice is down. Um, fully expect if it hasn't already been used, it will get used soon. Yeah, so on that side of things. Looking good as far as continuing to make progress towards phase three and mm-hmm. teams starting to get proper practices and, and heading to their hub cities is concerned. Um, on the other side of that coin, I mean, we don't have to get too far into this, but I personally, I certainly have some concerns about Vegas technically opening up again and things like travel back to the strip happening in a wider scale over the next couple of months could cause some issues for the league. Certainly. Yeah. It really kind of depends on how they set up. Yeah. If they can properly convince a hotel to actually quarantine just for the NHL, it should be fine. Yeah. But can they, will they have that? I guess is the question. And we don't know yet. Yeah, and the the players association still has to figure out the exact details. Right. Because between you know, between the hotel and going out having a couple of different places to go out to eat, this is what makes Vegas such a great fit is that every one of those hotels has a bunch of places to right. eat inside of it already. Multitude of of options there. Right. So they they can they can kind of have that freedom to you know, so they're not they're not eating pizza every single day. You know, they're not they're not stuck like going to the same place and doing the same thing for two straight months and turning Struggling. themselves into robots. Yeah, you know, you don't want that. You do want to be able to live a little bit and and, and enjoy your life some. But you know, they they are going to have to recognize that they have to make some sacrifices here. The players have to make a couple of sacrifices. For sure. If they if they are so insistent on trying to get this in and that they want to win a Stanley Cup, and from everything I've heard about the from the player side, everybody wants the cup. Yeah. They want they want the shot. It's not gonna be it's not gonna be business as usual. You're not gonna get your stipend to go, you know, play wherever you want and have total autonomy to do whatever the hell you want to do. 
there are going to be restrictions here and the players need to play ball with that. And the league needs to provide options uh, that, you know, give them a little bit of flexibility, but I mean, it's, you'd like to make at very least their game day routine as normal as possible, which could be difficult given the schedules that we're likely facing where you're going to, somebody's going to have to play at noon every day, you know? It's just it is going to straight up be difficult, but things like a pregame workout or a postgame workout, you, right. they need options for like a gym that they can go to. And definitely, if, you know, there's lots of talk about with how healthy the league is these days. People always eat chicken on, on game day or whatever their meal is every single day. Mm-hmm. There needs to be I understand it's not going to be perfect, but there needs to be at least something somewhat similar. You know, you can't have these guys, like you said, if they eat pizza every day for two months and you get to the cup finals and it's a bunch of dudes that are just out of shape now. There's a bunch of dudes chucking up pepperonis right. in yeah. third overtime. And exactly. you're like, Dude, <laughs> this ain't it. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is gross for everybody involved. <laughs> so, yeah, it's about striking that balance, right? Certainly, the players need to understand, look, you're going to be quarantined in a city that you don't live in for two months. You're not going to be able to go golfing on your off days or whatever, but it has to come together in some way. And and we still don't really have the full logistical scale of this when it comes to things like coaches and, and team uh, employees coming along and, and making sure all the gear is set up and, and things like that. So um, where I don't actually know the locations. Like, how far away are the practice facilities from T-Mobile Arena? Uh, in Vayton, um, it's about a twenty-minute drive. Okay, so that's. But know, the thing is, is that there's Red Rock Casino is right across the street. Sure. So, um, like literally across the street. Yeah, I I, I understand. It's. And you're, we've talked about the setup where you have, you know, six teams at, at the practice facility and six teams at T-Mobile Arena. Yeah. So that's probably another reality that's that's setting in there. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense if they're able to, uh, if they're able to find camera bays and um, get it so that they can have a professional level broadcast and not like we're watching Alex Bocage. Right. Yeah. You know, like you want to be able to, it has to be, it has to be high level stuff. Like you still, any, the NBC, NBC still has to bring the goods here. I mean, so as long as the sight lines aren't terrible, it shouldn't be that hard. Right. It's just that there's a space, space will be figuring, figuring out the logistics of, of the camera base and all that could be, could be a bit of a mess. Um, but if they wanted to, I think they could use that practice facility and, and, there's also um, the real, the you know, the Avs and Kings used to play inside uh, the the MGM Garden Arena. Yep. All the time, every year. That's where Frozen Fury took place before T-Mobile Arena got built. Yep. So they could always just do that. They can always just lay down ice there. They know that they have camera bays. They've got the space. It already has the infrastructure in place. They could do that. If they don't want to leave the strip and go all the way to the practice facility, that's true. I'd, so, 
I mean, another or you factor just, here or is... you just have a bus to the practice facility and you just use that for practice and you use the other places for, uh, for games. Also could work for sure. I mean, it's not like the abs do plenty of stuff like that all the time, whether it be busing down to the Pepsi center or busing to yeah. uh, the airport, things like that. So, right. uh, I, yeah, I do wonder a little bit about, what the NHL is looking at in terms of costs and how much they want to control that, given that a lot of the reason that they're coming back is trying to salvage some of the the money side of this season. All of the money that they're going to spend, the millions of dollars on testing and all the money they're going to spend on hotel rooms and if they have to buy out restaurants, all of that is going to be pennies compared to the television money that, coming that's back, involved. Yeah. yeah. It's honestly, it's pennies, yeah, man. They, I believe it. Like for us, like if you and I were like, let's go rent right. every room in Park MGM, and we called them up and we're like, so how much would this cost? And they're gonna be like, oh, well, we'll give you, you know, we'll give you a bulk rate. Yeah, it's only four million instead of five. Right, and, the, well, and they're like, okay, so it's gonna be like two hundred thousand dollars. Right, and you and I are like, <laughs> the NHL's like, cool, pay it, whatever. And the NHL's like, oh, so. One AHL player salary, right? <laughs> Not even, yeah. Got right. it. So, fair enough. There, I, I guess on that note, we can take our first period break here. As thinking about numbers that large, make me want to drink sometimes. So, Breckenridge Brewery, uh, the official beer of DNVR, they are open. They've been open for a while now at the farmhouse down in Littleton. You can swing by there, pick up your favorite Breckenridge brew, whether it be the Mile High City Copper Lager, the Colorado Core, Avalanche Amber, many others as well. You can also get a meal and $5 off when you schedule a pickup and use code DNVR. Give them a call at 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. and help support our partners. We also have the legendary DraftKings Sportsbook at this point, bringing you your legal sports betting here in Colorado. They are pretty awesome just all the way around at this point. I've, I've ranted and raved about their uh, odds boosts enough at uh, this point, but whether it be the UFC, Korean baseball, they even have Bundesliga and other soccer leagues. I mean, look, you can even bet on table tennis in Russia if you want. If it's a sport out there being played, DraftKings Sportsbook will allow you to bet on it at this point. You just have to head over and check out their app right now, and you can even deposit and withdraw funds whenever you feel like it. You can get up to a $1,000 bonus for signing up right now when you download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app and use that DNVR code when you sign up. So get on it now. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25x playthrough restrictions. Apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. A bit of an avalanche-related story, at least tangentially, that came out last night a bit. Um, our good friend of the show, Dario, was tweeting about it. There's an article up on TSN about it, uh, kind of confirming what everyone knew, that the Avs were hard up for Panarin in the offseason. 
the story has come out that McKinnon was apparently trying to recruit him to the M's pretty hard through back channels and, and texting and things like that. Panarin, of course, going to the Rangers, but it has now been said or it has come out that he Panarin apologized to McKinnon about not coming to the avalanche. So a bit of an interesting conversation there, I guess. Surprise. White. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Like kind of a stand up thing to do, isn't it? It it does. You know, (laughs) hockey players, knowing what I know about them in free agency, they usually make their decision and it is what it is. Right. Mm -hmm. There's not a whole lot of conversation with other courting teams once the decision has been made. Mm -hmm. So I don't, is there something to that? Maybe Panarin keeping a, uh, an Avenue open. Maybe. I mean, I can't, I just, I don't know this for sure, but I doubt that those guys were like, like close Super before tight. the process. Yeah. I would imagine not. Like familiar, right? Yeah. But not not like really not tight. And it seems like it just struck me as like um obviously all of the reporting and all that stuff, like first of all, kind of a kind of a vindicating day for Dater. Absolutely. He was he the gets one to tracking was, that the whole time he was uh, he was on top of that from from day one from the very start so props to props to him for that for being right about on on that one and you know that start that story started long before the offseason ever began and you know data and i were working on that well before <laughs> before i free agency hit. Yeah. yeah like that was that was something that we knew was coming and uh, we had top boy. We had boy. Did we have some talks about it? And anyway, it's just fun to think about back then and how quickly everything changed for everybody. Um, that I, I just thought that that was the first thing that stood out to me was what a cool thing for Panarin to do. You know, I wonder did he did he call guys from other teams? Like, yeah, did, he, right. did he? Did he specifically call... McKinnon that has come out, not anyone else here. Yeah. Like I wonder, like, did he call Nick Felino and be like, Thanks, I had a great time at Columbus, but I'm out of here. But I hate John Tortorella, so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, or you know, just Columbus. Like you know. <laughs> true, true. Not a sorry. <laughs> I just I, I thought that was a cool thing to do. Um Panarin has you know, Russian players have a certain stigma that they only want to hang out with other Russians. Yeah. And you know, if you see Panarin on, on any, on Instagram ever, he's always with Bobrovsky. Yeah. Bob. Yeah. A couple of other Russians regularly too. Yeah. Oh, like besties. Right. Yep. But it, it was, I just thought that it was a cool thing for him to do just to be like, Hey, I thought about it, considered it. I appreciate the offer, but I have to go with the Rangers and, you know, Colorado was worried about McKinnon's next contract, so they they didn't want to get into that. So yep. they were offering high AAV over Low years, over, yeah. yeah, over four years, and it was like, you know, so what? Where I thought this conversation was interesting was: Are the Avs better off knowing what we know today? Are they better off having had the summer that they had, or would they have been better with Panarin? And then question mark, question mark, question mark. After that, like. 
we don't know. Do they do they do they still go get Kadri, do Burakovsky, Donskoy? Like what what doesn't happen because they bring in Panarin and the almost twelve million dollars? Yeah, I mean at least in the immediate, given the cap space that they have, given that Panarin is an arguable heart candidate, it's hard to not say they're better without him. In the two years down the line, that could be a very different story, but mm-hmm. Right now, this season, I mean, Panera scored 95 points this year. <laughs> that's a huge difference. Even if you say they don't go out and get Burakovsky, that's a 50-point increase. Right. So it, it would have made a huge difference, I think, in the immediate. But you also can't put together a super team every single year. So, Right. Do you think that they would have been able to do the Kadri deal? Um, I think so. Why? I don't know why they would. Maybe like they have to throw in an extra piece to not retain on Barry's salary or something. But I think they could do it. I have no doubt that that deal still happens. I don't think it's either or because Kadri doesn't make right. nearly enough money for it to be on and, its own enough. And Panarin doesn't solve the two C problem even if. <clears> he- did get an absolute stud so right and you were gonna have to move barry out anyway right you're yeah a defenseman had to go and barry was still in the last year of his deal so so i think the cadre deal still happens and i think that uh it's either panarin and cadre or panarin and mckinnon and i don't i don't i don't know how You know, what Donskoy doesn't happen at that point? I don't think so, yeah. Maybe the comp for four-year deal doesn't also happen. Maybe just like they – maybe yeah, they take a shorter approach to that. pinch pennies for Landis, Gog, and Makar's next deals. At that yeah, point, like yeah. maybe maybe that has an effect there. Uh, Burakovsky, I think, is the only true X factor. Do they still do that deal? Yeah, I mean, because the three point two five million on uh, on his qualifying offer was expensive for what he had been producing. Like, imagine paying Tyson Jost three point two five million dollars. It's it's just too much money. You get, for for a guy with a twenty five point season. Is there a world where they don't do Burakovsky? They don't commit long term to confer. Do they have room to try and go get Donskoy as a bit of a safer option? I mean, Donskoy is the most expensive of those three. So, I, well, he is this year. Like, I, I just don't. At that point, you would rather just do the Burakovsky deal. If you were, if you were prepared to pay Donskoy, you'd still just rather do Burakovsky because it's still saving you money. But I understand from the from the dollar threshold. I'm just saying from the the idea of. Do the Avs need to take a chance on a Burakovsky still since they they acquired Panarin? Donskoy is going to give them something a lot more consistent. Well, he would be theoretically Burakovsky would be that sixth guy. Sure, I, I and understand. like and we saw at the deadline this year, they're still searching for that sixth guy, even with Burakovsky. Yeah. So you take away, you add Panarin, you you still do Burakovsky. Okay. So you still take the chance over a Don Skoy who's realistically not a sixth guy, but you know, you'll get 37 points out of him. Whereas definitely I would still, yeah, I would definitely still take that, that chance. Um, uh, 
but uh, I wonder. I, mean, I wonder what impact that has on like Rantanen's negotiations. I wonder if that maybe went short term instead. Yeah, that's true too. Because like, maybe that ends up at so two years. Money, yeah. So I that would Rantanen is the only. I think Donskoy just doesn't happen. Rantanen might be the only one where I say that has a major impact. And I and I don't I don't think you could make an I don't think you could make an argument that the Avs would be better today in their current form versus with Panarin. I mean, you okay. yeah. What's better than having one heart candidate? Having two. Just ask uh, Dry Seidel and McDavid. Right. <laughs> like it. Uh, the one thing is. Knowing how the Av season played out in hindsight, does Panarin come here and just immediately blow out a knee? <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, <laughs> who knows, man? Yeah, right, right. But they definitely, <clears throat> they definitely don't do anything at the deadline. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think because um, I've seen some some of the arguments that. Oh well, they were going to get themselves into cap hell, and it's like, look, if you're if you're in cap hell because you're paying elite players, you might be in cap hell, but you're competing. Is it even really cap hell? Like, it's cap, really cap hell is when you have forty million dollars tied up in middle and bottom six players. Like, like would you would you to to be honest, would you rather be in Toronto's salary cap situation or Arizona's? Uh. I mean, because Toronto they're both good players. <laughs> they're both pressed up against the cap, but one of those teams, you feel a lot more confident about making the postseason year in, year out. Yep. So for as for as much as it's like, oh, look at Toronto, what a disaster! Like that's a that's a hard playoff team every year. Dude, that's a that's a team that you believe is making the postseason every single I, season. I mean, just look at the Toronto side. You're talking about trading good players to get assets back. Arizona side, you're talking about Taylor Hall just straight up walking. Right, like you have, they have made you look at Arizona, and I use Arizona as the example for this a lot because I think that they have been fascinating. But John Chica plays asset manager, not hockey team builder. <laughs> well, and the thing is, is like you look at their roster and you look at like key players on that team. Taylor Hall could very easily leave in free agency. Yeah. Carl Soderberg has been very important for them. He's 34 years old. Phil Last Kessel his deal. <laughs> Phil Kessel is 32 years old and didn't hit 50 points this year. Yep. Nicholas Jalmerson is 33. Jason Demers is 32. Alex Golgoski is 34. Oliver Ekman Larson is still dope, but he's still even he is 28. Both of their goalies have played very well, but are also into their 30s and both have faced injury issues. Yep. Like this is this is not a team that you're talking about as like, oh man, I'm really these the guys are gonna be so bright. Yeah, right. Right. It's because like there that. are still so many question marks. Because the majority of their best players are are older guys that are that are already expensive and are in danger of aging out on a year to year basis. So for as much as it's like, oh, Toronto's Toronto is in cap hell, like yeah, Toronto's Toronto's gonna have to work hard to to work around, especially because they got really unlucky with a pandemic that's not gonna give them any cap relief. Just naturally. Cap. Yeah. 
So they're going to have to figure something out, you know, especially defensively, how they're going to get better when they have so much money tied up. You know what? Lots of teams are going to like guys like Kerfoot and Kapanen and Zach Hyman. They might be able to move some of these guys out for defensive help, kind of kind of like what they did last year, except Kadri had three years left and, and you know, was just overqualified I mean, for the job he was. It's also an option that they – they can go that route as well. Like you said, you know, no one wants Carl Soderberg's rights for more than a sixth av style. But right. if they say, look, we can't find the right deal. We, we need to free up some space. Well, William Nylander will fetch us a, a treasure trove of, of picks, prospects, whatever. Yeah. So they have ways out of it. Whereas Arizona, you know, depending on, the age of their players who wants to come back, who can continue to play could yeah. be looking at just a perpetual rebuild basically. Yeah, pretty much. It's, it's like that where Arizona feels that feels like cap hell to me because yeah. you've done, you've blown assets, you've blown money and you're trying to make the playoffs. Toronto, obviously they they were in more of a playoff fight than any of us were expecting them to be in. Uh, but they're they were still like on the inside looking, you know, looking out, looking back at the at the pack. Remove the disaster that was Mike Babcock from Toronto. And they sure look yeah. like a playoff team. <laughs> right. Like under Sheldon Keefe, they were an easy playoff team. Yeah. They were they were a borderline like hundred point team under Sheldon Keefe. So yeah. can that continue into next year? You know, what 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 moves do they make? Whatever. We'll see. But the point is is that Colorado with Panarin, like you're paying out the nose for elite performance, but you're getting it. Yeah. It's- like you have you have Panarin and McKinnon and Rantanen next to each other. Those, those are three all stars. It was that last. It's like that last cup in Chicago where they had to pay Kane and Taze, but they could still get there. And then, of course, Chicago spiraled into disaster, paying players like Shaw to come back and trading, and then reacquiring Brandon Saad. And, and Chicago got mixed up into paying all those other players too much as well. Right. Well, Chicago, Chicago was from their first cup. You know, they had to trade away guys who were getting to the expensive deals. They had to get rid of Nick Letty and Dustin Bufflin and Chris Versteeg and like all of the, all of the really good depth players that went on to have good careers elsewhere. They, they had to get rid of all those guys because they just couldn't afford them, but they kept the guys at the top of the roster and were able to replenish and they won three cups. Right. They were you they were able to do that. They were because with Panarin, had he come to Colorado, it, you wouldn't have had to have Panarin and McKinnon overlapping the big money deals. Yeah. That was how Colorado was structuring well, it. So it, it it accelerates the timeline on a Martin Cout. It a player who already very important, like Bowen Byram, it becomes extremely important to get quality ELC time out of a player like that. Right. Like well, Bauer. and then it it would have it would have just driven home how important Cout's ELC was at nine hundred thousand yep. dollars. I think because of the flat cap and because the Abs did go out and get guys who were all going to deserve raises, I think it's already important. 
Big for break. all of for all of the hand rigging over, oh, the abs are being stupid <clears throat> playing these little games with this contract. I think the third year of that contract is going to be important. I agree. I think it's going but to matter. I think it could matter. End up mattering quite a bit in, the, in year three. But it matters even even more if you're replacing Donskoy's contract with Panarin's, which is definitely an extra eight million dollars or whatever it is. It matters. It matters a ton. Like yep. you're you really need Cout to be an impact player or a meaningful player for nine hundred grand. Yeah, you need that. And with Panarin, I mean, I I just don't see how you could make any kind of a cogent argument that they're not even that they wouldn't be the favorite right now. Yeah. You add Artemi Panarin to this roster and you take Jonas Donskoy off of it. Like it, I you, don't, I don't see how that's, you're not the team to beat out West. The abs at that point, not just have the three headed monster, but they, they rival teams like a McDavid, a dry side, like a Stamkos and a Kucherov. It, the advantage that to which of late, they've been ranked as the best team in the West in their odds for the cup when healthy, there's just a couple teams in the East that, that beat them out. And I think Panarin, would probably catapult them into first, but we can take our second period break right and now as a Denver rubber company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects and Denver rubber company is an essential business that has filled a ton of needs for several industries during this crazy time, including medical, military, defense, government, wind energy, even food and beverage. They've been here since 1972 and they are the absolute best at what they do. They're family-owned and diehard Denver sports fans as well. They're known for cutting snow plow blades, but they also provide custom-cut rubber, foam gaskets, hose assemblies, even cut metal parts if that's what you need for your project. So give them a call today at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr. Third period, the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's with Rudo and AJ. I suppose we should get to the actual topic of the show today as as we kind of walked around some other news. But one of the big stories coming out of the NHLPA today is that they plan on fighting the idea that the NHL is not going to allow any players whose contracts were signed after the stoppage to play in these playoffs or play in games. Um for the abs, this is kind of a, a good deal because the only person they signed was Eustace Annanen, who they had no intention of playing anyway. So they aren't losing out on anything, but uh, mm-hmm. lots of teams are, particularly this one, an article coming from uh, the New York Islanders uh, SB Nation page talks about not being able to use Ilya Sorot- Sorotkin, uh, Minnesota now likely not being able to even sign Kirill Kaprizov. Teams are going to be affected negatively when it comes to this, especially with a lot of the European prospects who can now just hang out in Europe and, you know, maybe sign another deal there to play another year instead of coming over and getting that NHL money immediately. So the big thing here is that next season doesn't start until January. Right. Like, let's just assume that next season is starting in January. That's safe assumption. That's yeah. where this is headed. That's what the league is planning on. They've already said publicly they're comfortable with it. Um, that's let's just we're going to from here on out until stated otherwise, we're going to assume next year begins in January. 
if you're a European player, if you're if you're Kaprizov, if you're Grigory Denisenko, you've already agreed to an ELC with these teams. You've already said, yeah, I want to come over here. You're, the KHL clubs are expecting those guys to come over here. But if the NHL, if the NHL is ran and randomly, arbitrarily, not allowing these guys to come over here and be part of this, uh, then when when they would have been in a normal in a normal year, they would have been perfectly allowed to do this. For some reason, the NHL has said that this is no, the, no, this yeah. is like this is like the Avs not being allowed to it, sign Kale McCarr last year. It's the NHL, unfortunately making another random decision with it is random it, random arbitrary totally yeah. out of left field like there hasn't been any reasoning given for this whatsoever because this would have been perfectly acceptable under the regular system it yep. would have been fine and instead they're just saying no teams have started bringing these guys across and starting these ELCs to get to, for the players they get to get to their second contract faster. They burn a they burn a whole year off an ELC for uh for what ten games, two weeks, yeah, three weeks, right. whatever. Not, like, not a ton, but yeah. At the very most, you're talking about two months and a playoff run and a Stanley Cup memory. Woo! Great, great start to your career, right? <laughs> yeah. So it, for players, that's the benefit. For teams, they get the player signed that they might have otherwise had trouble signing. Minnesota's been trying to sign Kaprizov for years now. I mean, haven't gone about it the best way, but yeah. Right. And uh, well, getting getting different management in there that actually was paying attention to him and showing him love and you know, that helped. But finally, he's ready to come over and sign Sorokin with the uh with the Isles. Yep. That's been they've been they've been hanging on to his rights for years and years and years and he kept telling me he doesn't want to come over. He don't want to play for them. He doesn't, now he's ready to go. He wants to play in the NHL. His rights are owned by the Isles. Cool, I'll be an Islander. And it's like <clears throat> the NHL is saying, no, we don't want this. And Minnesota, hey, this is a guy that can help them in their playoff run. Grigory Denisenko, the same thing. This is this is a guy that can help them. That that could that could get on the ice in Florida and get on and and help them immediately. Yep. But Especially um, with the Russian players. Russia was one of the last leagues, the NHL or their KHL was one of the last leagues to cancel their season because of COVID. Um, And they are looking to be one of the first leagues to come back at at a normal schedule. The KHL usually starts in September. Um, If the next season, when these players could reasonably come over for the next NHL season and play is in January, that's two thirds of the KHL season right there. Yeah. They have every reason to just go to the KHL. Yeah. So you're de-incentivizing these players from coming to the NHL significantly. Um, Even European leagues are are similar. They might start a bit later, but you get into this awkward situation where, especially for the guys that have already signed ELCs, do you need to go back and rewrite like a, a Euro clause in there? Do you need to put an out clause in there mm-hmm. from their Euro team back to the NHL team? It's It overly complicates a situation that seems super easy. Right. And well, in a seat, in, it is a normal standard practice across the league these days. Yep. And, for some reason, the NHL is saying no. And 
I can understand where Vancouver gets upset because, okay, now Kaprizov comes across and suddenly our our qualifying ground against Minnesota gets tougher because they just got a potentially very good player that they get to just drop into their lineup. But under a regular circumstance, Minnesota would have gotten to add him to whatever playoff series. Anyway, anyway, exactly. You know, it, so it's not, it's not like, Oh, this is, this is an advantage. The wild otherwise would not have. Yes, they would. Yep. He would have been a black ace. So yeah, he would have been able to come over anyway, had they made the postseason. So I don't, I don't see where the NHL has any, any leg to stand on in this argument. It makes no sense to me. I, these guys should be allowed to come over. They've agreed on their their ELCs. This is this is a recent practice that applies every single year. That that guys come over and do this. You know, sometimes it's playoff teams and sometimes it's not. But yep. it's a, it's a normal thing. And now they they arbitrarily are saying no, can't do this. I can understand where they would say college free agents aren't eligible. Sure, because they they would not, you know, Cam Morrison and other college free agents don't hit free agency until August fifteenth. Yeah, exactly, and that'd be late into the playoff run. I mean, that would have been that would have been a month and a half after the season had ended, or after free agency had ended, right? And instead, like college free agency will now be taking place during the postseason. Yep. So I can understand where the NHL says, look, you can't sign those guys and drop them onto your roster. You could sign them, but their ELCs have to start next year. I could, that makes perfect well, sense. I mean, that, right. They, you wouldn't be able to anyway, assuming you brought a full 28 skater roster. Right. So, so yeah. So that, that's, but that's a specific case. Like, right. Like that's a very easy and logical rule where they say, hey, no. You can't do that. Yeah. Not allowing these European guys to come over is it's just garbage. I'm with it you. It makes it makes no sense. Yeah, I, I think it's silly. Um so the PA should fight it and the PA should win this. And guys like Kaprizov, guys like Sor- I mean Sorokin won't play because right. they have Varley and Grice there, and it's like, are you really Turns gonna out those dudes are pretty okay at their jobs? Like, yeah. <laughs> so that's won't be an issue in that series, but regardless of whether they're going to play or not, those guys want to come over and get their ELC started mm-hmm. and get one year, one year closer to a meaningful contract extension. You know, the real money that these guys can make. Exactly. I, and there's enough situations around the league, be it Dennis Anko or, or other players as well, that players would play more, more than a couple, at least a, a handful or two of players would be playing in these playoffs for their teams. Yeah. And what's, what's wrong with that? Yeah. I don't get it. I just don't. You're going to be front and center in front of the sports world. Baseball's bungling everything. Yeah. The NBA, like they're going to be going neck and neck with the NBA, which is just par for the course. Those, these yeah, sports are always new. <laughs> through always pals and football will be in training camp at that point. So, the the world will be watching every every minute of of hockey. Yep. And especially especially with the NBA being like, hey, we're gonna play eight regular season games, and the NHL being like, playoffs. Like people are gonna be watching hockey. Yeah. For the first, certainly while those eight regular season games go on during the NBA, 
the NHL playoffs is going to get a lot of eyeballs. Why would you want to take talent out of that? Why wouldn't you want to see what a Kaprizov? I mean, if Kaprizov comes over and blows up and lives up to the to the hype that he's built by being such a great KHL player, that's good for your league. Nobody <laughs> wants to watch Victor Rask and his 13 points play for Minnesota when Especially they could watch Kaprizov. Like, yeah. So it's a win-win to allow this to happen as normal, and yet the NHL has decided not to. I think you just channeled Bill Guerin. <laughs> Doing your best Bill Guerin right there. We really don't want to have to play Victor Rask. Please, Please don't make us play Victor Rask. <laughs> Please let this happen. <laughs> well, I guess that's a good a place as uh, to end it as any with Minnesota wallowing in their own decisions. Um, <laughs> We're going to get out of here for the day as we do have the MLB draft coming up, doing another big draft show for you on all platforms at, I believe we go live a little bit before 5 PM with that. So be sure to hang out, check with that. It's another big production for us, just like the NFL draft. So we'll have it coming to you soon. We are out of here for the day and until tomorrow, you know where you can always find your abs coverage. And if you're looking for some college education, MSU Denver Online puts that dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is Colorado's institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs, and some of our very own staff members here at DNVR are taking classes at MSU Denver Online this summer. DNVR Avalanche with Hayfully and Rudo. DNVR Avalanche with Hayfully.